When wine is on trial, the gossip is dishy. The judges are drunk. Wasted. The verdicts are random. So random. This is True Crimes Against Wine. Ugh, exhausting. Do I have to get out of bed? Not doing Not it. Not doing it. Do I have to wear pants? Not, Not doing, doing it. it. I'll get out of bed, but I won't put pants on. Howdy. Hi! (laughs) Welcome to another episode of True Crimes. Against Wine Country Edition. Woohoo! Woo! I'm Judge Topher. I'm Judge Rachel. And I'm going to be leading you through a tasting today. Ooh! And I'm going to be telling you some history. Yay! Yeah! Yeah, we're going to do another historical episode today. Ooh! It's special because it's got a little twist to it. (gasps) So that's super fun. Ooh! You want to try some wine? Yes! Okay. Let's do it. So today we are having a Cabernet Sauvignon from Sonoma Mountain. Ooh, from the mountain. The mountain of Sonoma. (laughs) Sonoma. Samoa. Sonoma Mountain is its own AVA in California. It's like right outside of Napa. Okay. Um, And the mountain itself creates kind of a really cool buffer from the Pacific Ocean so that you don't get those cool influences coming. So it's a warmer microclimate. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. So we should be experiencing a little bit of a riper fruit is what I'm expecting. Okay. But we'll see. Sometimes, you know, it surprises us. It does. Ooh, cork. Cork. All right. Ooh, that's a pretty red. It is a very pretty red. Thank you. All right. Well, cheers. cheers. Smell test. I'm a little congested, so I'm not going to be able to smell. Otherwise, I'd be spot on. I'm getting cassis, a little bit of green bell pepper. Hmm. And some like really deep, ripe plum notes. Like, oh, okay. Juicy. Plum that kind of like mm. dribbles down your chin. Nice. Yeah. Let's taste it. Okay. Oh, it's lighter than I thought that it was. It is be. lighter. Yeah. Gave me the chills. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a nice kind of tannic aftertaste to it mm-hmm. that you would expect from a Cabernet. Yeah. I'm interested to see how it opens up because right now it seems a little bit tight. We've talked mm-hmm. about that before. Yeah. But overall, really nice. Yeah. Good so um, far. The fruit notes are a little less ripe. Than mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be. But again, it, as it opens up, that might completely change. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of plum, but I know, again, because I'm a little congested and my taste is yeah, more off right now. That's fair. So, as I said, this is another historical episode, which oh, we no. love doing. They're super mm-hmm. fun. However, yeah. the twist to this is in the past, there's been like a guilty by association yeah. sort of aspects to yeah. it. But this is actually this historical figure's vineyard, right? Yes. So From their property. Yes. So can we say who our figure is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, reveal. Jack London. Jack London. It's another like literature and history yes. episode. Mm-hmm. So tell us about this vineyard. What did you find? So it is on the property that mm-hmm. he had there. He had his own ranch. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get into all of that as we yeah. talk. Yeah. So this is called the Kenwood Vineyards. Jack London Vineyard, and it's got this really cool picture of a wolf on Mm -hmm. it, which we'll get into the importance of that, I'm sure. It's just a really cool thing to have this historical figure who had this property and they came in and turned it into this amazing vineyard. Yeah. It's, they're trying to make it, they're in the process of making it biodynamic. Right now it is organic. 
Okay, because I was going to ask what you learned about the vineyard um, and the owners now. Yeah. That's cool. It didn't say a whole lot about the current owners. Okay. But but yeah. Well, that's cool. That kind of goes into what he was into with like conservation and like nature. and Which I'm excited to learn about because I don't really know a whole lot about Jack London. So what do you know about Jack London? I know that he's not from London. He's not. London. Cheers. Cheers. Celebratory sip for you. I know that he is a writer, like we said. Yes. The only two books that I'm familiar with are White Fang and The Call of the Wild. I think that's what most people know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I've never read White Fang, but I did see the movie. Okay. I was was going to ask. When I was a kid, the 90s movie. Yes, 1991, Ethan Hawke. Oh my God, it was Ethan Hawke? Yes. He was super young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. It's been so long since I saw it. Yeah. I've not seen the movie The Call of the Wild, but I did read the book when I was in like, I want to say like early middle school, like sixth Mm -hmm. grade. Seventh grade, something like that. Yeah. I kind of always mix them up in my mind because they have similar they stories. They do have similar stories. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I do that with a lot of like naturist writers. Yeah. Where I can't keep track of them all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's talk about Jack London, whose first last name wasn't London. Oh, really? Yes. Let's talk about it. Was it Schmergenstein? It was. How'd Jack you- Schmergenstein. Celebratory sip for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about him. He was born... John Griffith Cheney. John Griffith Cheney. Cheney. On January 12th, 1876. His mom came from a pretty solidly middle class family out on the East Coast. They lost some money. So she ended up going west where she met his dad, William Cheney, who was a famous astrologer. Oh. Yeah. Not astronomer, astrologer. Astrologer, specifically. Wow. His mom was a spiritualist and would, like, that post was seances so, too. like, popular during that time. I know. They were, like, on trend with the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a fun time to go to parties? Oh, yeah. Like, there was obviously a lot of stuff that... Wasn't good. Not great. Yeah. But... But... <laughs> the seances and the, all that... The yeah, if you could, like, time fun. travel and really just like, pick and choose the moments... Yeah. Like, not even a whole day. Just like, I just want to be yeah, here for a couple hours and then head on back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there's some debate about whether or not his mom and dad were actually married. Oh, a scandalo. Yes. When they were together and his mom, Flora, told his dad, William, hey, I'm pregnant. He was like, get an abortion. And she said, no, I don't want to do that. And then he caused a also big... Also because it's very dangerous during that time. Right. He caused a big stink and left her. She became really upset and she tried to kill herself. Oh my God. While she was pregnant. She tried to shoot herself. Wow. There is a misfire with the gun. So she injured herself. I don't think too seriously, but she was not in a good place. So after Jack was born, she sent him to live with a neighbor of hers whose name was Virginia Jenny Prentice, who had been a formerly enslaved woman. Oh, wow. And Jenny took care of Jack for several months until his mom married this other guy whose name was John London. And ah. then Jenny and baby Jack went to go live with them. Jenny continued to like stay really close with the family and kind of be like another mother figure to him. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, but then his they changed his last name, I guess, kind of for the legitimacy of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that explains a lot because I was wondering if it was just a nom de plume or right. it was actually like his adopted name. Right. Because Jack London is like a catchy name. It is a, a good writer catchy. name. It is really. Yeah. Good. And they were living in San Francisco at the time. OK. Around San Francisco, Oakland, um, which is kind of this 
suburbs of San Francisco, not too far, Mm -hmm. not too far from the city. So he had this really unusual start to the beginning of his life. A mom who's not very conventional by any means with her, her spiritualist beliefs. His biological father just skedaddled. <laughs> just like, bye, I don't want this. It was in the stars that they were not meant to be together. Obviously it was, yeah. And then he was raised in a lot of ways by this black woman who was taking care of him. And we'll talk about his views on race oh, later. Okay. They, they're not great. Okay. But he had kind of this wild childhood where he went to school, but he would do a lot of his schoolwork and reading in a bar in San Francisco. As a child? As a child. There's this picture of him when he's 10 years old, like sitting at a table with some books, and he's very clearly in a bar. That's so funny. I know. It's crazy. So he didn't go to school consistently. He did leave school at one point when he was like 13 or so. And he worked in a cannery. What is a cannery? Where you can like, Where things. you can think? Yeah. In mass? Yes. A canning factory. Canning factory, okay. Yeah. He um, also became a fisherman for a while. And then he was like, I guess I'll go back to school. So he did. He was always very interested in storytelling and reading and writing. And he would spend a lot of time at the library. And he wanted to go to University of California, which was at Berkeley at the time. Okay. And he did. Nice. Yeah. Good for him. He didn't graduate, though. Oh, well, he still went. He still went, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, and he he left after a semester. He just couldn't, wasn't for him. Yeah. And then that's when he went to the Yukon because there's that big gold rush. Okay, I was wondering time. because when it talked about him having a ranch, when the, you know, mm-hmm. the bottle talks about him having a ranch in California, I was like, wait, I always thought that he was like up in Alaska. Right, like I associate him with Alaska and I think yeah, most people cold do. cold weather. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a native Californian. Spent time in Alaska. I think that's where he got a lot of the ideas for the story. He wasn't great at gold mining. (laughs) Didn't really make any money. But he really got very serious about his writing while he was there. Mm -hmm. And that's where he first started getting some success with his writing, too. So he stayed there for a couple of years and then moved back to California in 1900. Because he didn't, again, didn't do well in Alaska. And it was a very harsh climate yeah. place to be. So moving back to California, I think, was partially for health reasons mm-hmm. and partially like financially driven as well. Do you remember the the game Oregon Trail? Yes. So when I was a kid, I had one called Yukon Trail. <gasps> Ooh. And so you were like moving out to the, yeah, to the gold rush in the Yukon and you had to like raft and do all these things and make yeah. money. I used to gamble all the time to try and make money. But did you win? I did a lot. Oh, Topher. So gambling pays. That's yeah. what Topher's saying. Didn't tell my parents about that part of the game. Oh, obviously. no, that would be a bad. I'm like this That's eight, non-educational. Right? I'm like this eight-year-old over there playing blackjack in the saloons. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Jack London. Yes. Doing his schoolwork in the saloons. Right, exactly. You're basically Jack London reincarnated. Me, him, same. Exactly. Did you ever read this short story by Jack London called To Build a Fire? No. Okay, so it's a really good story, and it's set in the Yukon about this guy who's up there, and he has, like, a sled dog, and he and the dog are, like, trying to get back to base camp. And this man is just a complete arrogant idiot and thinks that he knows better than these experienced people up there and knows better than the dog. He's like, no, I can make it to this base camp. I'm going to go out in this terrible weather. It's, like, 70 below. Oh, my God. It's incredibly cold. The guy keeps, like, messing up and, like, steps in, like, a river and, like, gets his foot frozen. And he's trying to build a fire, but, like, he spills matches everywhere. And he builds a fire, like, underneath a tree branch and snow, like, falls on the fire and puts it out. And this 
But the cool thing about the story is that a lot of it is from the perspective of the dog, mm-hmm. where the dog is like, I don't want to get close to this guy because he's an idiot. The story ends up with the guy freezing to death, basically. What and the dog being the dog? like, I'm going back to camp. Bye. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> That's adorable. It's a really cute story. <laughs> <laughs> Is it meant to be comedic? No, but you're meant to recognize that this man was definitely out of his element, literally. And instead of him being aware of that and being like, maybe I just need to like stay where I am and not try to travel. His arrogance lets him to think like, I can do what I want. I'm smart yeah. and everything. I feel like when I read The Call of the Wild, a major theme in that was man not giving in to his hubris. Yes. And instead respecting that nature is its own force. Yes. Yeah, that's like a common theme in his work. And that was something that Jack London believed in his personal life. Mm-hmm. Too, was I mean, that, it's, a good, it's a good mantra. Yeah, like nature will get you if you don't yeah, respect it. Nature will it. get you. Yeah, so he was part of this movement of realism and specifically this movement of naturalism where it was even more realistic than realism, mm-hmm. where it's like nature doesn't care about you. Right. And if you don't understand it and you don't listen to people who know what they're talking about, you will die and you're going to deserve that death. Yeah. So sucks to be you, but. Nature doesn't care about your feelings. Exactly. Yeah, but I always like that short story. It's a very accessible. It's like a good intro to Jack London. Okay. And, you know, he has a dog, like yeah. most of his stories do. I know he always has a dog. A cute little fluffy doggy. Which I think is why I kind of have a soft spot for him. Mm-hmm. And of course, like seeing White Fang too as a kid and be like, oh, what a little puppy. Mm-hmm. You want that dog and that young prospector, Ethan Hawke, to succeed. Yes. You don't want the bad guys to get them. Oh, my God. I also loved the movie Balto as a kid. Yes. animated movie. Yes. Getting I know that it's medicine. not Jack London, but it's in the same it's like. It gives you that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing with your wine? I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. You want to gamble? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Okay. Or do you want to know more about, I'll give you a choice. I'll be nice. Okay. Do you want to know more about Jack London's life? Are you ready for the cross-examination? Let's do the cross-examination. Okay. Or, or should I not do the cross-examination while I'm still slightly sober? I don't know. Let's learn more about Jack London. Okay. Let's learn more about Jack London. All right. I'm going to take another sip. Okay. While I think about how mean to be to you later. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being realistic, Topher. You're into realism as well. Yes. My new thing now. And what is it? Naturalism? Yes. Which is different from naturism. Yes. Which is nudism, right? Yes, exactly. I get the two mixed up sometimes. I know you do. You're always outside. You're like, I'm a naturalist. Topher, put clothes back on, please. Doing the helicopter. (laughs) Topher. They didn't have helicopters yet, Topher. Doing the whirly bird. (laughs) There you go. So when Jack London went back to California. How old was he at this point? He was like 24. He's pretty young. Oh, pretty young. Yeah. He's young. Okay. He got married. Yay, Mazel. Yeah, he got married to a woman named Bessie Mattern in 1900. Bessie Mattern. Elizabeth. Simply roll off the tongue. No, Mattern is not a great name. And they had two daughters, Becky and Joan. You have feelings about that, Topher? Can tell Just us. a little belchy. Tell the world. <laughs> <laughs> they had a weird marriage. Was it because he was a naturalist? Yeah, and he was just always out, swinging around. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> oh, was he a philanderer? Yes, he was. Jack, Jack, come on. So they got married, and they both went into the marriage knowing that they weren't in love with each other. But they were friends, and they thought, we'll have good, sturdy children together. Guess there are worse reasons to get married? Yeah. His nickname for her... Was Mother Girl. I don't like that. 
her nickname for him was Daddy Boy. <laughs> it sounds so sexual. But yeah, why Mother Girl? I Because he thought she would make a really good mom. I guess she was very maternal. And they thought, okay, we'll have a good, you know, kids together and we're friends. This is going to work. It didn't work because somebody who calls their wife mother girl. Yeah, that's like sounds like somebody who spent too long nursing. Yes. It brings up like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Like you might have been eight years old and still like suckling at your mother's teat. At your mother girl's teat. At your mother. (laughs) (laughs) But what about daddy boy? Daddy boy also sounds overtly sexual. I'm going to, I'm going to call fact Fact checker that at some point when he's not expecting it. (laughs) Please do and report back to our listeners. I will. I will. We'll do a special sidebar about it. (laughs) Daddy boy. Daddy boy. Yeah. It's, it's a weird nickname. So I think he thought that they would develop maybe more of a romantic connection and they didn't. And he wrote in some letters complaining that she was too uptight and she was too worried about her purity. I think she was more worried that he was like sleeping around and and she didn't want to catch a disease from him. Yeah, which is fair. That's legit. Yeah, early 1900s. And he was definitely fucking around on her. Yeah. He did. So they divorced. Before they had any kids? No, they had had the two kids. That's right. They had the two kids. So they divorced in 1904. Okay. So the kids were pretty young. They were young. They were young. And then he later got married to the woman that everybody's like, oh, they're soulmates. Her name was Charmaine Kittredge. Charmaine. Mm. She was an older woman. Oh, oh. Benjamin Franklin would approve. I know. She was five years older than Jack. And she was raised to be very open. Mm-hmm. So she was down the clown. Okay. And they started hooking up before the he got divorced. The lady in the streets. Yeah. Freaking the sheets. Freaking the sheets. Wolf in the sheets. Do you know what his nickname for her was? Mama woman. No, but you're right on the woman part. Oh, God, what? The first one's wrong. I want you to have something. Take a drink of something. Is there going to be a spit take moment here? I really want there to be. He called her mate woman. (laughs) He legit almost spit. I was expecting something bad, and yeah. yet it exceeds my expectations. Yeah. Mate woman? Mate woman. That sounds like something that an alien would say. Like, where is your mate woman? I am a human person. I do human person things like have a mate woman. Right. My, my mate woman will hang out with your mate woman. They will do mate woman things together, like bake and vacuum. Yeah. And tend to the offspring children. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think he really got into the whole nature aspect of the relationship. It's like, we're mates. You're my mate. It's just weird. It's weird. I would not like to be called that. Yeah. Or. Or. No. <laughs> Which is worse, mother girl or mate woman? Mate woman. Yeah, I think they're both awful. I'm going to start referring to you as boyfriend's mate woman. Please don't. <laughs> I'd rather just be called my name. How do you feel about the term romance partner? This is my romance partner. No, because it sounds like you're writing a book together. A romance <laughs> book. Fair. Okay, so mate woman it is. No, no wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw an interview with one of his daughters and she was talking, she was older in the interview, but she was talking about after her parents split, she said, yeah, when my dad went to go live with mate. So the children were calling her mate. And in my mind, before I learned this, I was like, 
Oh, his friend? Like my my mate. You know, me mate. In like a British way. Because I'm from London. London. <laughs> no. So the kids were calling her mate. Oh my God. That's even weirder. I mean, I guess she's not technically their mother, but she did kind of raise them, right? Because they were so young when the divorce they happened. They were young, but he, he didn't spend a ton of time with his kids afterward. Oh. I mean, he would see him and stuff, but he was off kind of doing his own things with mate woman, so... They're all like, good day, mate. Good day, mate. They're very Australian. Yeah. Australian. <laughs> well, he and mate woman, you know, were really a good match and they stayed together until his death. Oh, I guess mate, woman, love for, mate like, woman for life. Right? She's our mate. What did she call him? I don't know what he, she called him. Sperm donor. No. Gross. <laughs> they did try to have a kid together or they tried multiple times. She spurgled him. No, it was totally normal sex with your mate woman. Totally. I've packed my sickness to Topher now because he's so repulsed. <laughs> oh, my God. No, their baby died like a day after birth. Oh. And then she had a miscarriage later on. So I did, like it just didn't work. It just didn't work out. So I guess his initial reasoning for being with Mother Girl did work. They did produce two hearty kids, you know? Not wrong. That he I'm decided not. not to be in their lives. Well, you know, Mother Girl couldn't compare to Mate Woman, so. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Who could? They didn't even do like an every other Thanksgiving sort of situation. Maybe, I don't know. He was off traveling. He was an adventurer. An adventurer. All right, fill me up, please. They fill you up? Yeah, with wine. Don't be gross, Topher. This is a family podcast. <laughs> this is anything but a family podcast. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Oh, no. But all the young children who are listening. To our alcoholic podcast. podcast. Yes. Like, one day they'll talk about Jack London. I don't know why they're British. Why are they all British? Don't know. And Cockney, too. Little, little listenership of chimney little sweets. <laughs> Victorian urchins love our podcast. Mm. You know what? Is it time? It's time now. Damn it. Damn it. Take a little sip to get yourself ready. Okay, I am enjoying this wine. It is good. As it opens up a lot. Are too. you getting any new taste to it? Yeah, it's got more depth of flavor okay. than it had before. What are you getting now? I'm still getting the cassis. Mm-hmm. I'm not really getting the green pepper that I got on the nose, mm. but I am getting still that kind of like dark cherry, dark plum, mm-hmm. all of that too. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of like dark stone fruit. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. A little woodsy. It's definitely been aged in oak. Mm-hmm. Okay. California has lots of oak trees. It's true. It's true. There's one thing I know about California. It's that. And that's it. And that's it. (laughs) I, too, was born in California like Jack London. 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 (laughs) Say it right. London. My father was not an astrologer, sadly. 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 Or an adventurer. Like Jack London. Like Jack London. All right. So I have gotten some feedback. No. (laughs) That I'm too easy on you. No. <laughs> Just because I got lucky once. You've gotten lucky a few times. So we're kind of going back to what we used to do back in the beginning. Where it's kind of fill in the blank. Oh, God. But I will be a little more lenient with my scoring. Okay. For you. Okay. Now, there are only six today. All right. So you tell me what number you'd like to start with. One. Okay. As we know, Jack London. London. Dad, biological dad, was kind of a butthole. So he denied... You can say asshole. We're not going to get censored. We're not going to get censored. Okay. This is like a late night show. Asshole. 
<laughs> Asshole. He denied paternity because blank. He said, I can't be the dad because blank. Because. Tell me why. My former lover was a floozy. Well, he did kind of say that. He was like, nah, it's one of those other dudes she was fucking. Yeah. But there is another more specific reason he said he couldn't be the dad. Because. Even though they lived together and everybody knew it. Because he had a low sperm count. You are so close to being right. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Take a drink. He said it's because he was impotent. Mm. So when Jack was in college, he finally figured out who his biological dad was. And he wrote him a letter. And William Cheney wrote him a letter back being like, I can't be your dad because I can't get it up. And your mom's a hoe. And your mom's a hoe. That's a double whammy. Yeah. And Jack was like, feelings. I'm leaving college and going to Alaska. Going to the Yukon. Gonna I'll show mine you. For gold. I'll find my fortune and then you'll come crawling then, back to me. Then the stars will be aligned for me. Jack London. Who? London. London. I can't say it right because of my coal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next number. Six. Okay. So let me take a step. Get ready. So Jack London mm-hmm. wrote a book that I didn't know about until I researched him. Okay. Called The Iron Heel. The Iron Heel. H-E-E-L, like heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds different from his other books. It is different, yeah. And it influenced this famous writer. Tell me who. Ayn Rand. Oh, no. She's awful. <laughs> I, I wasn't giving a qualifier to the person. I'm sorry that just, you love Ayn Rand. Of course, some I, of us don't. I have never read any of her stuff. You don't need to. That's all bad. It's not well written. Although we should do a Russian vodka episode and just talk shit about her the whole time. That would be fun. Okay, let's do it. Except that I don't want to support Russian vodka. Okay, let's not do it. We could do Ukrainian vodka? Sure, yeah. Since it's not, it doesn't sound like a nature. He's British. He's British. Okay. And it's a man. And it's a man. Yeah. I'm trying to think of British writers during that time that would have been It's a little bit later. Like I think that. more like kind of mid-century time. Okay. Roll doll. No, you're not going to get it. I'm not. Go ahead and take a drink. Okay. George Orwell. Oh. It influenced 1984. Okay. This was an early dystopian novel. From I mean, Jack it sounds London. like it would be. It does, yeah. Like you're being crushed under the iron heel of mm-hmm. capitalism. Sure. Well, yeah, Jack Lennon was a socialist through and through. I don't think that you can be that into nature and realism and not be socialist hmm, interesting because at that time especially capitalism not that it's not still capitalism is all good now so what Topher's saying no, no problem no notes no. <laughs> but at that time especially you know you're coming out of this really industrial revolution time into yeah. kind of this gilded age where people just didn't give a shit about nature except yeah. to tame it for yeah. their own purposes it was a rough time so I can, I feel like if you lived during that time and you were super into nature, you had to be a socialist. You couldn't be Probably. a capitalist. No, you couldn't. That yeah, would be like, it's a diametrically opposed to yeah. your, your views. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get what you're saying with that. See, well, I can do politics. Yeah, you can. Thanks. I'll vote for you, Topher. Thank you. Judge Topher 2024. That's right. Woo. Except I just want the power and not the responsibilities. Okay. So you just want to be a dictator? I want to be able to declare this a holiday, and then everybody loves me. Okay, what holiday would you declare? Tophermas. Okay. And what does everybody get on Tophermas? They get a day off. Okay. And there's a parade. For Topher? Everybody, Yes, everybody loves a parade. We all dress up as Topher? 
Good luck. <laughs> What's going into this parade for Tofermas? Floats. Of? Lots of different things. <laughs> There's a float of me at the nativity. There's a float okay. of me at the North Pole. Okay. There's a float of me doing lots of Tofermas things. Okay. Are they all winter themed? Well, it is winter when my when Tofermas is. What about Southern Hemisphere? They'll have to adapt it for okay. themselves. Okay. But also, wait, am I just the emperor of the world now? I thought I was just the president of the U.S. I would assume you'd be emperor of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like this. Okay. I'm not selling you short, Tofermas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for recognizing my potential. You're welcome. There's one float that's just a big bottle of wine. Yes. Okay. But it's a real bottle of wine. And we're oh. pouring from it. Oh, hell yeah. I'm into Tofermas now. <laughs> Sold. Sold. <laughs> All right, next number. Five. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Please don't do that. This is a professional setting. Ah. Good cough on you, Nick. Ah. All right. Jack London was the first author to blank. Compete in the Summer Olympics. Oh, good guess. I can see that because he's like outdoorsy. Yeah. No. It was in speed walking. Oh. Do you know that that used to be an Olympic sport? Really? Speed walking. Do you know yeah. that I took a class in college on speed walking? Oh, my God. Did you try out for the Olympics? No. You should have. I should have. Oh, missed opportunity. I could have been an Olympian. You could have had a medal. Well, I do have medals, but they're just because. Yeah. You could have had a real medal. Make me a medal. I don't smith. Contract it out. <laughs> With all my millions of dollars. Yes. Well, you're emperor of the world, so yeah. He was the first author, author to win a Pulitzer mm. for writing. Mm. No, go ahead and take a drink. Okay. He was the first author to become a millionaire from his writing. Shut up. I won't. Oh my God. Yeah. I, that's really surprising. People right. must have loved his work. They really did. At one point he was making in like early 1900s money, 75000 a year. Wow. I don't know what that is in today's money, but it's a lot. That's a lot, a lot. of money. No, that'd be over like $2 million in today's money. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. He did really well. Just off of book sales? Mm hmm That yeah. is wild. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Uh, would you say it's call of the wild? I think he had a calling to the wild. Uh, yeah. He did really well. And he wrote. And this is after we just talked about how what a socialist he is. Right. Here he is like uh, the world's first author. Yeah. Well, George Orwell did criticism. He's like, later in life, I don't think Jack London was super into socialism. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm super into socialism, but I'm poor. Once <laughs> I get my billions and I become emperor You're of like, the No, capitalists through and through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, he did really well. And Jack London was very open about like, yeah, I'm writing stuff to make money. Because I want to support my lifestyle. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Mate Woman was doing pretty good for herself. Yeah, Mate Woman had it made. I would have been his Mate Woman. Same, right? All right <laughs> was he attractive? I've never actually seen a he's picture of him. He's not a bad-looking guy, yeah. I he's picture him with, like, a big beard. Mm, no, he's clean-shaven. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he's not that outdoorsy, then. Well. Everybody knows lumberjacks have beards. I'm sure he had a beard when he was in Alaska, just not get Stand frostbite. Out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, get frostbite. Yeah. <laughs> I forget sometimes things aren't just for aesthetics. Beards yeah. <laughs> do actually have a purpose in really cold climates. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next number. Two. Okay. Jack London lost blank in the Yukon. Part of his body. Oh, I was going to say weight. Um, well, probably. So I definitely got that right. Okay. <laughs> Take a celebratory step. 
I would say he lost a finger or two. Oh, okay. Frostbite? Yeah. Okay. I see that. Because you don't, you can't lose an interior organ. Those are hard to misplace. Poop it out. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> We're not, this is not a medical podcast. <laughs> I do not know how the body works. <laughs> or how it's constructed. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, I would say like either toes or fingers. Okay. Pick up your drink. You're wrong. <sighs> Again. Yeah. He got scurvy. <gasps> and he lost teeth? He lost some teeth. Yeah. He lost a bunch of his front teeth. So very little weight then. Yeah. Another one wrong. All right. Got two left over. Three. All right. So I told you how he was like sailing for a little bit when he was a teenager. Like as a fisherman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at 15, he got a boat, a sloop specifically. Okay. I know what a sloop is. Do you? Yeah. I don't. I had to research it for my chastity. Oh, for your book. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought you were about to say for your psalm stuff at first. My brain was like, why? We have to know as sommeliers... What a sloop is, what a frigate is, what a brig is. A lot of nautical knowledge. <laughs> Just in case you're abducted by pirates and exactly. you have to entertain them. Right. Yeah, so at 15, he bought a sloop and he named it blank. It's a two-word name and it does rhyme. This was when he was like in San Francisco fishing. Do articles count as no, words? there are no articles in this. So it's not motion on the ocean. Those, there are no articles. On, oh, no, no, I'm not counting that. And that's not an article. The is an article. On isn't. No, that's a preposition. Thank you. But I was just asking specifically about articles. He doesn't know what an article is. I know what an article is. like, I read articles all the time. I know what they are. I read the WAPO, okay? (laughs) It's blank, blank. And it rhymes? Yes. They're both two syllables. I'm giving you a lot here. Beelin, Elin. Ooh. Because he was fishing for eels? Mm-hmm. And he was also strangely into eels. Oh, they regularly. Or was it date mate? Mm-mm. Not enough syllables. Oh, yeah. And he hadn't met mate yet. He's only 15. Are you, are you giving up? I'm, no, I said mine. Feeling Elin. Okay, well, you're wrong. Take a drink. We know this. Okay, I think that I was right. His name was better. It was the Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> Give me that old Razzle Dazzle. I would not have expected that of him. Me either. Especially at 15. You know what? I'm just going to stop pretending as though I can predict any kind of name coming from this guy. I know. Because. He was crazy with the name. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Joan is probably the most. Like Becky and Joan are normal. Yeah. They seem to get. Oh, man. But what were their middle names? Like Wolfhound and Pine Tree. (laughs) And that was his voice, too, apparently. I just love this idea of this turn of the century teenager who's like, I bought my boat. I'm going to call it the Razzle Dazzle. And you have to do the hand motion. You have to do the hand motion. Like rainbow hand motion. Yes. Razzle Dazzle. Do you know what he was fishing for? Fish. Mm -mm. Crabs. No. Lobsters. No. Whales. No. Oh, no. No. Sharks. No. Shrimp. Oysters. Oh, you don't. That's. Okay, you don't fish for oysters, so that was misleading. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. What do you do for oysters? You mine them. You mine them? No. No. You harvest them. Okay, that sounds closer to right. Yeah, he was apparently an oyster pirate slash poacher. Oh. As a teen. Yeah, because they live in oyster beds. It's interesting that he needed... A full boat for that, although a sloop is pretty small. So I get that because, you know, they're all along the coast. Mm-hmm. I think, too, he just wanted a boat yeah. as a teen. What is it with men and boats? 
They like them. I don't know. Am I right? Am I right? She What's the deal and- <laughs> with men in boats? Boyfriend's a straight guy. He could tell us. Yeah. He's not like normal straight guys, though. No, he's really not. I don't know if he's ever been on a boat, actually. He and I have never been on a boat. Together? Yeah. You've been on a boat, though. I've been on boats. Yeah. Yeah. Been on all sorts of boats. Yeah. What kind of boats have you been on? Kayaks, canoes, speedboat, pontoon boat, cruise ship. Okay. I think I proved you wrong. I guess so. What boats have you been on, Judge Topher? (laughs) (laughs) Belchy boats. (laughs) I've been on a cruise ship, too. I've been in a canoe. I hated it. Refused to do kayaks. Why? I've been in a rowboat. I've been in a paddle boat. Oh, I've been on paddle boats, yeah. Okay, well, you didn't say it, so it doesn't count now. Well, I'm saying it now, so. No. We're still on my quiz. I've also been on a yacht. Have you ever been on a yacht? Ooh, no. Fancy. It was fancy. Do you have caviar on the yacht? We did not. I was four years old, too, so I probably was not allowed to have the caviar. Although I might have liked it as a four-year-old. Who's taking a preschooler on yachts? My parents. Oh. It was my grandfather's boss's yacht. Mm. It was like a family thing. Mm-hmm. Boss was like, take your family out in my yacht. No, he was there, too. The boss oh. was there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there were a lot of people there. It was a fucking yacht. Well, yacht it's can not, be misleading. Yacht it's not like a rowboat. What? Yeah, you can fit a lot of people on a yacht. What? Mm-hmm. Are they fancy? They were fancy. Oh, man. And I remember I took a nap in this thing below deck that was like a hookah lounge. Ooh. It was like a circular room, you know, that had like all of the... Were there a lot of low cushions to the ground? Yeah. Nice. And dim lighting. Mm-hmm. A lot of like soft fabrics everywhere. I slept really well. I bet you did. That does sound comfy, actually. Yeah. As like the with the waves. Like, yeah. yeah. Man, I love like feeling the motion of like water. The motion of the ocean. Yeah. It does help you sleep. It does. Excuse you. <laughs> Rachel. I'm so sorry, everybody. He's unprofessional. That is. Um... You know, there's no video. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question. Uh, yes, let's go with four. Okay. At 18, Jack London got arrested for blank in Niagara Falls, New York. What was that? Well, we already established that he's a naturalist, so it was probably doing the helicopter in public. They're like, what is this thing? What is this thing? What is this whirly bird? <laughs> he's whirly birding all over town. <laughs> I'm just getting a great <laughs> image of him just running down the street, <laughs> whirly birding. <laughs> Gotta pick something that's going not really over, Going over in a barrel. It is not related to the falls part of Niagara Falls. Okay. Just happening got, where he was. He got arrested for skipping out on a tab. Oh, really good guess, but wrong. I'll give you one final one. So I want you to get another win, even though I won this. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say he got arrested for some kind of either drunken disorderly or disturbing the peace kind of situation. Okay. You're, you're so close to being right. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Thank Take you. Take a celebratory sip. Vagrancy. Oh, that's right. You weren't allowed to be homeless. Right. You no. still really aren't. You still really, yeah. That's not great. <coughs> Excuse you. Uh, <laughs> you already said that you have a cold. I'm no, exhausted. I don't believe the record will show. <laughs> so at 18, he decided he was going to join this group called Cox's Army or Coxie's. C-O-X-E-Y. Coxie? I was about to say, otherwise it sounds like it might be a Thunder Down Under situation. (laughs) And we've already established that he loves to helicopter. So I know. That's 
There's one thing we've learned today is that Coxies, how would you say that? Or Coxies? I don't know. Coxies? Uh, Coxies Army? I don't know. But it was this group of men who were like, we're going to ride the rails and make our way to D.C. to protest unemployment because it was really high at this time. And so they all quit their jobs. Yes, basically. Like, we're doing this. And he was 18. Again, I think he was just looking for something to do. It was in between like high school and college. You remember how easy it was to get inspired by people when you were 18? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So idealistic. Oh, my God. Our brains were so underdeveloped. I know. They're just still squishy. Ugh. People would like put an idea and you're like, yeah, that's the truth. That's now life. people give me ideas and I'm like, Pfft. no, not doing it. That sounds too active. Overruled. Overruled. <laughs> Ugh, exhausting. Wait, no, that one involves too many people. Do I have to get out of bed? Not doing Not it. Not doing it. Do I have to wear pants? Not, Not doing, doing it. it. Like, I'll get out of bed, but I won't put pants on. I will put on my caftan and sit on my couch and And watch. I will really burn as I please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he got arrested. So he ended up just going to Niagara Falls instead of D.C. I don't know okay. why. Again, probably like an 18-year-old decision where he's just like, huh. Let me go see New York. Mm -hmm. And he was about town and like they arrested him for vagrancy. Mm. Vagrancy. He stayed in jail for a month. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, at least he had free room and board and some meals. You right. Know. I guess he was like, oh, whatevs. And then he was like going back to California to go to college now. Ride the rails again. For a semester. And then I'll go to Alaska. That's my dad will make me sad. <laughs> wow. He was really good at predicting things. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and the mom, fortune teller, spiritual spark, you know, it was inherited. So you got two. Okay. Out, out of, of six. six. That's 33%. Given the fact that it was in the format that it was. He did okay. That's pretty good. He did pretty good. Yeah. I'll give it to you. I didn't bomb. No, I still won. Definitely. Definitely. Let I'll the record that. show that Judge Rachel once again vanquished Judge Topher. So that's how courts work. Yeah. Two judges go head to head. I will give you that this time. Thank you. Because you're sick and you're on your deathbed dying of consumption. And scurvy. And then scurvy. Oh, no. Another tooth just fell out. Oh, Topher. Oh, no. <laughs> Put it back in. <laughs> did some super glue. It's fine. Yeah, it's some Gorilla okay. Glue. Oh. What would you do if a tooth just fell out of your face one day? I would freak the fuck out. Yeah, but what would you do? You have to do something. Go to the dentist with the tooth and be like, reattach help, this. Help. <laughs> Go to the first dentist office you see. Yeah. Kick just stick my, on the chair. Stick my head out the window and say, dentist, dentist. Good day. So I'm a dentist, are you? Oh, that sounds suspect. No. I think you're a chimney I'm a real, No, I'm a real dentist, I am. <laughs> give me your teeth, sir. Oh, God, no. I'll give you 10, ten pence a tooth. 10 pence a tooth. Gross. The other guy's only given a hay penny per tooth. Oh, a hay penny. Yeah. My prices are good, Topher. They really are. You don't believe my little Victorian dentist is apparently wandering the streets for teeth? I don't know. And that's where the tooth fairy... Came from. And that's how we got the tooth fairy. Thanks, Jack London. Because he was also a gay dentist. You don't know I'm gay, but I am. I've got depth to me. <laughs> I'm a fairy, I am. <laughs> Give me your teeth. <laughs> mm. So let's talk more about Jack London. Okay. London. London. What's, what's, what's he got going on with him? He loved to travel. Obviously. He loved an adventure. Did he travel outside of the U.S.? Good question. Yes, he did. Okay. So in between marriages, he was like, hey, I'm going to be a war correspondent. Oh. In the Russo-Japanese War. Okay. And he got jailed a couple times. 
Was it for vagrancy again? He's no. got to stop that vagrancy. I don't know why he got arrested. Maybe just being a foreigner in another country. Yeah, and they're like, I mean, why are you here, dude? That. Putting you in jail. But then he ended up going back into the U.S. and marrying mate woman, Charmaine. Oh, God. In 1905, they bought a thousand acres in Sonoma Valley. Yes. And they were going to build their dream home called Wolf Hall. Mmm. That explains the wolf. It does explain the wolf. Because I was thinking. No other like connection. A, well, I was thinking it was more of a reference to White Fang. And the I think he, he got really has, like, into wolves when he was in Alaska. Yeah. He's like, this is my thing now. Because he would sign letters wolf instead of his name. Yeah, I just saw your face. I had the same expression when I read that. Like, come on, man. You're trying too hard for a nickname at that point. Yeah. That's like, I really want my friends to think I'm cool sort of thing. I mean, you're already daddy boy. <laughs> well, not with bait woman. I don't know what she called him. She might have still called him daddy boy. I don't know. I mean, he was still a daddy. He still had two kids, even though they weren't hers. I right? was going to say he's also a daddy because he was making $2 million a year. I mean, he did pretty well. Daddy. Daddy. So he wanted to make this ranch... That he, he bought and he was building and expanding. That was like why he was writing so much. Like he wanted to keep expanding it. He was like, I just want all the property I can have to live the life I want. He wasn't great though at like actually managing it and like doing the work of it. Mm. I think he just liked the idea of it a lot more. Well, when you got that much money, you just hire somebody to manage it for you. He, and he did. Good. So he got some Italian people and some Japanese people to come in and like, I see your confusion to to manage it and to build. So there are like competing Italian and Japanese influences on the style of the structures there. But he was also very into this idea of kind of like farming with like what was there and what should grow there natively mm. and not just planting whatever he wanted to plant. Hence their dedication to making it a biodynamic. Because yeah. he was really into the environment and conservation and he was like super animal rights and stuff too. Can you imagine... If they had done this vineyard and mm. like were curating it and they were just like pesticides everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> GMOs. I mean, maybe the people were who were working for him and like, just don't tell him. Just don't tell him. Just fine. don't tell Daddy Boy. It'll be fine. Don't tell Daddy Boy. Don't tell Mr. Daddy Boy. <laughs> He's Mr. their boss. Sir. Mr. Daddy Boy, sir. That's Mr. Daddy Boy to you. Like, you Mamma Mia. <laughs> this man is crazy. Now do the Japanese. Nope. <laughs> Not falling for that, Topher. I almost got you. You're so close. So the mansion that he was building there called Wolf Hall, he kept mm. pouring a ton of money into Which it. Which sounds like something from Game of Thrones. Can we all? It really does. Sounds like where like Jon Snow would be living. I, know. I live in Wolf Hall in the north. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a northman. In Wolf Hall. He put over $80,000 into it. Which is more than $2 million. Which is $2.6 in today's money. Which is so much money. That's so much money. He never got to live in it. Do you know why? He died. Well, he did eventually die. He's not immortal. So surprise. Surprise. I'm not toasting you to that. I'm taking a celebratory sip. Fine. Do what you want. It burned down two weeks before he and Charmaine were going to move in. Shut up. Mm -hmm. After spending two. Tell me he had like insurance. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did, but he was devastated. I can imagine. This like, is that a was their dream. They had like furniture custom made for this extravagant place. It was bananas. They think it burned down because of some oil soaked rags, which can spontaneously combust. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. But why did they have oil soaked rags? Because the 1900s, they don't know. They were oiling things, I guess. They were oiling things. It's California. They struck oil. I don't know. Okay. 
Who knows? But he was worried that it was arson. And there are some rumors that maybe it was arson. I don't know. It's really unconfirmed. Did he have enemies? I'm sure he did. Mother girl. (laughs) Oh, or mother girl. Mother girl and the capitalists were coming for him. Maybe Becky and Joan were really upset that they didn't have their father in their life. And they were like, we're going to fuck his shit up. We're going to start a fire. Because they're still toddlers. We know how to do this. Did they just stay suspended at one age through this entire thing? They never aged weirdly enough. They never aged. That must have been really weird for the interview that you watched. Yeah. She was like, I need to go potty now. Like, ma'am, you're 70. It's okay. I'm just a baby. I'm a sexy baby. Yeah. So he and Charmaine slash mate woman, like, oh, this is a bummer. We're just going to go buy a yacht. Mm. Mm, You're not the only one who knows what yachts are. (laughs) They bought a yacht and they're like, we're going to sail the South Pacific. Do you know what they named their yacht? It's a one word name. It's a very bitchy name. Cunt. No. Good. Good guess, though. Snark. Nice. Yeah. So they went on this cruise in the South Pacific on the snark. Which I'm like, that's so weird, Jack London. When have any of his names made sense? He has very, not to be stereotypical, but very gay boat names. Yeah. The Razzle Dazzle and the snark. Come yeah. on, man. Those are both extremely gay. Right. I can say it. You can't. <laughs> any more thoughts on that? That's your it. Body? Okay. <laughs> and those are very, like, modernish kind of names, too. Razzle dazzle. I'm sure it was like part of the new slang of the time. Totally, yeah. It was like everyone was saying things were snark. Yeah. Everything's about razzle dazzle. He's like, boats. Yes, exactly. Like what, what, what year was this that he did this? In the early 1900s. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that could be anything. I don't know, 1910, whatever. Okay. Because it's not that much before when the musical Chicago takes place. Well, it's be- it's way before the 20s and way before World War One. Ten years is it way before yes, the 20s? Yes, it is. It's a whole decade. My God. Do you want to talk about the last decade? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> time flew by. I know. Well, he oh and. Oh my God, you were young 10 years ago. I am. Thank you. I am young. Thank, thank you. I'm going to force him to Not come me. November. I'm still young. Hmm. You're not invited anymore. I was never invited by you. I have somebody, <gasps> a different host that's inviting me. I will get fact checker to uninvite you. You'll be on the, the no list with the bouncer. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> like, what's the password? Razzle dazzle. Razzle okay. dazzle snark. <laughs> All right, fine. He opens the velvet rope for you. I'm here as a guest of Daddy Boy. Oh, no. Well, mother girl said you can't come. <laughs> That's fine, because I'm also friends with mate woman. No. Who's she? Barbara Ann. <gasps> no. <laughs> Barbara Ann betrayed me. <laughs> Barbara Ann really does like you. She'd let you she, in. Yeah. yeah. She'd let you in. She'd sneak in. He got sick on his, his cruise. He got really bad sun poisoning in Hawaii. Ooh. And the doctor sun was poisoning like, is no joke. Yeah, the doctor was like, you can't be outdoors anymore. You got to stop. <laughs> They went back to California. Was he putting his SPF on? No, they didn't know about SPF. They were just in the sun going nuts. Crazy burns. (laughs) So they went back to California and he ended up dying in 1916. He was only 40. Wow. He died. Yeah, he's young. He had, I mean, like the scurvy and the sun poisoning didn't help. You know, those aren't good. He ended up having like really bad kidney disease. And he was taking a lot of opium and morphine, which were totally over the counter at the time. Yeah. 
Doctor's like, go crazy. No problems. And he ended up dying. Some people say he intentionally killed himself with too much morphine. But I think he is just like, my kidneys are crazy, inflamed, this hurts, keep bringing me morphine. And then he was just like, I'm dead now. Bye. So it was, but was it definitely the morphine that killed him? It was the morphine that killed him, but he was definitely dying of like kidney disease yeah. when he died. Was he a heavy drinker or was it? Yes. Oh, Thank you. God. Okay. That was aggressive. Yes. <laughs> he was a big time alcoholic. Okay. Which, you know, maybe studying in a bar when you're a kid doesn't help. What is it with being a writer and being an alcoholic? They love their alcohol. We sure do. We sure do. I think it was a very like early 1900s sort of thing too, up to like mid-century where it was like that glamour and romance of like drinking and adventure where it's like, no, you're just a sloppy drunk. Right. You just happen to write well. It doesn't mean you have to be a drunk to be a writer. Yeah. But I think a lot of people like really conflate the two in their minds and romanticize alcoholism in that way. I think Hemingway Fitzgerald... Jack London. 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 That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Who was it that wrote The Last of the Mohicans? Was it Hawthorne? No. I was about to say Daniel Day Lewis, but that was <laughs> the wrong guy. Somebody whose name I forget. It's, it wasn't Hawthorne, though? No, it wasn't Hawthorne. Hawthorne's too uptight for that kind of story. Come on. What? I'm sorry. Hawthorne was obsessed with the Puritans, and all the stories were about Puritan New England. It's so That's bad. Funny. People are hypocrites. Anyway, I just remember reading that as a kid and not being able to get past the first chapter where it was like 30 pages of a squirrel running through the forest and being like. You needed that to set the stage. I was like, I can't do this. Well, that was part of like. like, Moby Dick. I couldn't make it. Well, I know. I mean, that was part of the romanticism movement where it was like, we're going to just go and describe everything. So you really feel like you're there. It's like, no, we don't need this. Yeah. You don't need this. That's how I felt trying to read House of Seven Gables by Hawthorne. I'm like, please stop. I don't care about this stupid house. Yeah. And all of its gables. And all of its gables. I don't even remember the plot of it. I just remember being like, I cannot read another dry description of something that has no importance to anything. I'm done. This is your belly. Yeah. That said, have you seen that there is a miniseries coming out on the fall of the House of Usher? See, Poe's an exception. Did you know that Edgar Allan Poe had this philosophy of writing? This is where my English major nerd part comes out. That he didn't believe anything written should be longer than like what somebody could read in like a sitting. Hmm. He wrote one novel and he was like, nah, I'm out, bro. That's so interesting. Because mm-hmm. he's like, people are going to lose the immersion in the story if they have to set it down, go about their daily life and come back to it. Hmm. That's so, an interesting way to yeah. look at things. I don't necessarily agree with it. Me neither. But I really, I think that's a fascinating because philosophy. I really love reading a novel mm-hmm. that I get immersed in and yeah. obviously I have to get up, but then I can't wait to come to back, back to it. To it yeah. There's something fun about that. Yeah. That anticipation, like going back to the story. Yeah. I think and Poe you get was so like, sad when it's over. I know. I think Poe was like, I'm going to leave you with more. Like wanting more always. Yeah. Which is smart. Yeah. And, and certainly a bold choice to do. Yeah. But this is not a Poe podcast. Or? Having said that, Ooh. no spoilers, but we might have a very special Halloween episode. Where we bring back the ghost of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. To drink with us. He also liked to drink. Of course. Of course he did. Of course. Yeah, but we'll save Poe for that Halloween time. Yeah. Spooky. Spooky season. Yeah. Um, 
That's what everybody says when they say spooky season. I find Michael Jackson to be very spooky. spooky. Yeah, thriller. Yeah. In his personal life. Yeah, his, I was going to say, and just him as a person. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Yeah, let's talk about Jack Lennon's beliefs. Let's talk about his beliefs. Yes. You already said that he this. was like a socialist, but then yes. not so much, and that he had some weird views about race. Mm. Yeah, so he was super into socialism for a lot of his life. And I can see the criticism from Orwell about him like maybe drifting away from that, because I think he probably got rich and out of touch a little bit toward the end of his life. But yeah, he tried to run for mayor of Oakland, California, as a socialist. He lost the election, surprise. But he was a member of the Socialist Party for most of his life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And he had really contradictory views on race for a lot of his life. Okay. So Jack London, as part of like his socialist belief and being super into nature, he was almost into this like eugenicist view of nature and people. In terms of like, the like survival of the fittest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never extended that to say people should be sterilized, but he did kind of think the strongest people survive and they should be the ones to reproduce and have kids, which I think was the deal of his first marriage sort of thing. Right, 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 right. He obviously had the surrogate mom who is black and he seemed fairly open to black people Except, I love that statement. He seemed fairly open to black people, I mean, as you know, though it's like an time, opinion to have. Of the time, you know, yeah. a privileged white guy in the 1900s. Yeah. Except when the boxer Jack Johnson, not the singer. Gotcha. Okay. Two different people. Two di- very different people. I different know that times. now. Okay. <laughs> Same name, different people. Jack Johnson was a very successful black boxer in the early 1900s. And he had a famous match where he beat another boxer who was white. And Jack London was like, oh, we need a great white hope to defeat Jack Johnson, the black boxer, to prove that white people can box, too. Like, Jack London, why? It's had nothing to do with you, man. Just like, God, wait until he discovers basketball. I know, right? (laughs) Or track and field. Or, yeah. Or really so many things. So many things where it's like, black people are good at things, too. Yeah. Jack London, don't be an asshole. Yeah. You don't have to be that way. It makes me wonder how he felt about mate woman. Mm-hmm. Given she was fact, white. Given, but given the fact that they she never had, had a newborn children. that died. And then yeah, I don't carrying. know. I don't know. I don't know if like, that was Does it like, apply to him too? Well, I mean, knowing white guys, no. So I'm sure he, at the very least, blamed it on her. I would assume that he wouldn't think that he had any issue with that. But it was weird because he was like very sympathetic to Mexican people in California at the time, which was kind of unusual. That is unusual. He admired Japanese people a lot, but then he wrote about the yellow peril. The yellow peril. Because we'll think about the time period. So he was on the West Coast, You've got the late railroads. 1800s, railroads, right? And there was like the a bunch of like racist laws and acts against yeah. Specifically Chinese immigration. Yeah. So it's like, were you okay with Japanese people, but not Chinese? Like, were you very specifically racist against your Asian people, Jack London? I don't know. So he, even today, is like widely criticized for his racist views, mostly toward Asian people, because that was the group he seemed to target the most with his racism. Gotcha. And at one point, not too long ago. Even though he was very praising of Japanese people. Yes. But overall, he was not, he didn't seem to like Asians. But then he really loved his tour in the South Pacific. Like, mm, Jack, I don't, 
your views don't match up, bud. Yeah, it feels very much like a generalized, I'm on board with this. Yeah. Racist sort of thing that's happening. But like, I'm not a racist because it doesn't personally affect me. Like, yeah. I'm a good guy, which is also really gross. Yeah. So you can't contribute. You can't. To it. No. And it's, I don't know, like he did write some things like essays and stuff that were very racist essays. Like The Yellow Peril was an essay he wrote with that title. And it's like, that's not cool, but Mm-mm. you can't be mad at people who have contributed and done lots of work and were treated like shit, but then you decide you don't like them. And came over with the same dream that your ancestors right. had. I don't know. So a lot of people today like really don't like Jack London and his writings because of this racism that he had, which is a very fair, valid criticism of him. So my question is, and it oh. always is, when you hear things like that, where do you stand in terms of yeah. as somebody who really, I know that you're an avid reader. I know yeah. that you're very educated in literature. Yeah, thank you. So where do you stand in terms of appreciating an art versus really kind of not being on board with a person or yeah. even condemning a person? Yeah, I will say I think it's easier. And I know this is a cop out to kind of dismiss people who have been dead for a long time. Like, well, they're kind of a product, a product of the time, of yeah. which, yeah, they were. But also, should you know better? Yeah, you shouldn't be an asshole. Too, but I don't I don't think I have a really good answer. I think it's easier to not support somebody who's living and working now mm-hmm. because of horrible beliefs. Right. It's easier to take a stand and say, that's not OK. Especially with the prevalence of social media where it's, it's so easy to educate right. yourself about things and have conversations right. with people who are other than you. Exactly. Yeah, because like you said, there's it's so easy to get beyond your own experiences and beliefs. Yeah. And and Jack London, in a sense, did that in terms of black people because he was he did. partially now, raised by a black woman. And he had a great relationship with his basically surrogate mom. She lent him the money to go to the Yukon, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were they were close for his throughout his life. It really is. A but was he somebody to, who was like, well, she's the exception right. to what I think about black people in general because she's okay, but maybe I saw this bad view overall. I don't know. It's hard to know. Yeah, we never know. will really know. I don't know. I don't think there's a good answer to that question. Do you believe that his works should be introduced and taught in schools? Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's important? Literature? Yeah, I do. I do think it's important literature. And I think it's important to know his contribution to literature because he was a very successful writer and he did inspire other people. Mm -hmm. I think that should also be brought up in conjunction with his problematic beliefs. I don't think those should be ignored or glossed over just because you like White Fang or Call of the Wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so interesting to me that that doesn't happen more often in schools that that you don't that it's just read this and talk about the work itself and not the person who wrote it and what their influences were as as a person not even like literary influences but like personal influences yeah but i think also it it does kind of speak to the time too where he was a white guy so he had the privilege to be successful Mm -hmm. in ways that a lot of other people didn't get that who were maybe just, if not more talented than Jack London was. Yeah. 
too. So I think that conversation needs to be a part of stuff too. Yes, he wrote good, compelling stories, but also there are probably a lot of other people who were also doing similar, if not more, things just as creatively or ambitiously or doing them well. And their artistic contribution didn't get to be part of the popular culture mm-hmm. in the way that his did because of the privilege that he had. And he certainly abused that privilege too because he decided to punch down and criticize other people yeah. who were not in the same privilege that he was. I don't know. What do you think? You answer it, Tefer. <laughs> I Solve our problems. <laughs> I can't solve the problem, certainly. Yeah. But I do agree with you that when someone is a massive literary influence, it's important to teach that. Yeah. To touch on that. You can't pretend it didn't happen. Right, exactly. And it's also important to talk about the person who wrote that because... Yeah. You know, it's it, like I said, I haven't read any of his stuff since I was a kid. Right. It would be interesting to read it now and see if anything seeped into the text about that. Yeah. Like, how did he feel about indigenous people in the areas that he was? I think he was in. kind of like the idea of the noble savage. Right. Which is still perpetuating a stereotype that's harmful. Yep. Even if he wasn't saying explicitly in that regard, like white people are better. Because I think he fell into the idea of indigenous people are more in touch with nature, which he revered. And he did do a lot of good work against animal cruelty, but still his views with people were very problematic. So I don't know. Not an easy, not an easy answer. It never is. No. It never is. And, and this time period in particular is very difficult because you're coming, you're, he was born during reconstruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even but, though he was out West, was he out still West. was not immune to those ideas. Exactly. And yeah. so there's just so much. But there were other people in history who weren't racist, who weren't xenophobic, and who were advocating for better treatment of everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, yeah, product of your time. But there are also people who were still of that time who did better. Yeah. I don't know. It's complicated. It is complicated. It's yeah. a complicated issue. Yeah. So if you know how to solve it, tell us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, what do you think? I think that we should probably deliver a verdict. Okay. All right, Wolfman. <laughs> Wolfman. No, he decided it wolf, not Wolfman. All right. Well, are we doing the wine and the... What do you want? Together? I think together. Okay, together. All right. I'm going to count down. Sure. All right. One, two, three. Mystery. Okay. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, same. I was going to say same like... Thing. The wine is pretty good. I mean, my taste is not right right now. I'm very much enjoying the wine. I think that you would enjoy the wine if you were able to taste it properly. I'm still drinking it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and in terms of Jack London's life, good stories, lasting impact on literature and nature, and how we think of nature, too. Honestly, one of the most egregious things is woman-mate or (laughs) mate-woman. More than the racism, (laughs) Topher? Well, no, the racism is bad, too. Okay. Yeah, you're backtracking now, (laughs) Judge Yeah, I was, just can't get over a mate woman. It's it's really uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Also, there's a picture of him and mate woman on the beach leaning against a palm tree and they're wearing socks in the sand. Yeah. I. Are you saying guilty now? Literally can't. <laughs> Change the verdict. Guilty. <laughs> Things are not looking good for you, Jack London. London. Yeah. You just had a problematic life, man. Yeah. Yeah. You were also a product of your environment, like we said. So we're giving a little bit of, a little bit of leniency. Just a little. Honestly, it's only because we like animals this much that we're allowing you the leniency. Mm -hmm. If you had been like a big game hunter, it would have been over. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah, which I don't know what this says about us. (laughs) 
do you know there was a recent study that came out that said that the vast majority it was like 78 uh-huh. percent of people across the world like dogs more than they like other human beings fair and show yeah. more empathy towards dogs than they fair. do other human beings yeah so honestly we're just, we're just the majority yeah <laughs> We're part of our species as well. I guess we are warts and all, right? Yeah. But if you disagree with us about that verdict. Tell us. Please tell us. Please write to us at truecrimesagainstwine at Gmail and TikTok. Instagram and Facebook and address it to Judge Tuffer. That's fine. I don't care. (laughs) And also, if you have any questions, you can ask us and we will definitely address that in one of our sidebar episodes. Yeah, definitely. Again, reach out to us the same way and we'll give you some swag. That's right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for this very educational, historical, literary episode. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah. And I got my ass handed to me, too. Sure did, daddy boy. (laughs) Mate woman. Oh, gross. All right. Bye. Bye. Cheers.